You are listening to episode 131 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we go on a Viking rampage and throw our balls into an alien's mouth in this week's Double Inflation Deflation Challenge! Wow. Quite a lot. I was not expecting that we were going to throw our balls into an alien's mouth, but... Uh, that really does catch the uh, the audience right there. Uh, you wouldn't know you didn't get 7 million points, John. My balls were all up in that alien's mouth. <laughs> well, my balls are under, but just not as long. Um, yeah, so uh, double inflation challenge this week, or inflation deflation challenge, I should say. We played some uh, The Legend of Valkyrie, or The Valkyrie, on the PC Engine. And uh, we had no idea what was going on outside of Corn Fairies. And we also played some Alien Crush on TurboGrafx. So, Couldn't just, get enough of that TurboGrafx mini last time. Dude, it's by far, like I think, my favorite mini console. Dude, I had such a good time with these games. Like Every game that we've played on here has been like rock solid. Yeah, it's been good stuff. Like It's a shame that the console just was not as, you know, a success as it could have been. Yeah. And I love it, dude. Like, I'm kind of, like I said it last time, I'm kind of disappointed I sold my PC and, or my TurboGrafx Duo. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, man, I got this mini and it's got some solid games on it. I'm enjoying them. And, you know, I'll just uh, find another one later. Yeah. We'll see. Um, okay. So let's get started with our uh, weekly pickups. I see you have one here. Nada. I am returned to my non purchasing ways. I have returned to my purchasing ways, kind of. Uh, actually, really a lot. <laughs> so uh, this week, not a whole lot of big pickup. Well, not a whole lot of uh, huge pickups in terms of quantity. But I picked up Daymare uh, 1998 on the PlayStation 4. Uh, so I remember it was uh, Corpse Flood Gaming. So uh, I think Jason played this a while back. And uh, he turned me on to the idea of buying this one. But it recently went on sale for like 12 bucks on Amazon New. So I figured, why not? He enjoyed it. Why can't I? Uh, the other stuff I picked up were uh, the Tome of the Beasts 1 and 2, which are D&D books by Kobold Press. And, I mean, these things are huge, dude. I mean, they're like... You know, like those, you know, yeah, like, you know, uh, for anybody that hasn't seen these uh, in the past, you know, when you were in like school and you had like your giant ass math textbook, it's exactly what they look like. It's exactly what it looks like, but it's, uh, you know, and the same type of paper and everything. It's just got D and D monsters. I think that's a better trade-off of textbooks over life. You know, go with that instead of your math textbooks. You know, I'm not going to use algebra, but I'll definitely use that. Uh, so I picked those up. I'm really excited to kind of dig into those. You know, the campaign that I'm running right now, Descent into Avernus, it's going really well. Players are having fun, and I want to try and expand a bit in terms of the creatures that, you know, I throw towards them and do a little more side questy type of stuff. And I think this will kind of help in that range. Uh, the other item I got was my big pickup that I had mentioned the other day that I was bidding on, The Devil's Third on the I Wii U. I can't believe you got such a... <laughs> I can't believe I spent that much money. Uh, so I picked up Devil's Third, and I'm ashamed to say how much, but I picked up a sealed copy, and I'm, as much as it pains me to say this, I'm going to get it graded. Like, it's one of those games that it is in a position where it's genuinely rare. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, and it's, I mean, kind of picture if you picked up a copy of a game back during, like, the Super Nintendo era, for example, that had, like, 500 copies made or like less than a thousand copies made would you get that graded now you probably would and would it be worth a lot of money it probably would so this is more of like perspective 
you know, um, a perspective purchase and grading, uh, knowing that the Devil's Third is just a genuinely rare game. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of copies made. It wasn't a critical success. Um, it's, it's an a, outlandish game. It's an outlandish game. It's a mature rated game on the Wii U, which is already, I don't know how many mature rated games outside of like... There's a handful. Yeah, there's not a, a whole lot. Game. Not a whole lot of games, though. Like, very small handful. It's a third-party release that was exclusive to Nintendo, and if that studio goes under, uh, which I'm not sure if they have yet, or if there's any chance in sight that they do go under, uh, there's no way Nintendo's going to remake this game. They probably own all the rights to it. Um, yeah, I mean... It's just one of those unique situations that I was like, you know what, I'm going to jump on it now because the last thing I want to do, and we talk, we're we going to talk about this a little more in you know the next episode um, when we start talking about PSP, is I don't want to run into a situation down the road where I'm like, you know, I could have had this for several hundred bucks and now it's like close to a grand for the same exact thing I could have purchased years before. And if I have the opportunity to do it, why not? So that's kind of that mindset I've always been in. If you have a chance to buy something, you really want it. Don't let it escape you. Just go ahead and pick it up because you're going to probably regret it down the road when you can't pick it up at a lower price point because it's going to have gone up and then you might be in a situation where you can't afford it. So that's really where I was at with this dude. But it, like I said, it pains me to have to go to like WADA games to get something graded. Uh, but I'm going to do it. It's going to look flipping sweet. Um, like I said, it's brand new, sealed, looks fantastic. I'll go through light cleaning route and everything else. Put the extra like $90 or... 80 bucks, whatever it costs to get it graded and, and fully set up. And just, it'll Does be that kind come of this. with the box? Yeah, everything. So, WADA has like UV protection on their games. They have like, a, if it scores above like a nine, they have like this blue shield symbol that they throw on it that it's a nine and, you know, whole bunch of information on it there. And then they do like light cleaning, I guess. So, they, they have like, I guess, professional graders that take your game and, like, the plastic on the outside, remove any sort of fingerprints, anything that could, like... How do you get that job? Um, right? Like, that, that'd be pretty sweet. Like, all you do is clean video games for a living. But, yeah, so that's pretty much what they do. And it comes out to, like, I want to say it's, like, 85 bucks. So I hate the fact that I spent that money, but it was credit card rewards money. And it was one of those things of... I've done so much on this flipping house that I'm in now that I just wanted to reward myself in some sort of way outside, you know, the fact that I got a new house, um, but you know, something gaming wise, cause I really haven't done something like you that in a very long time. Like that in a while. Yeah. You've done big pickups, but they've been a lot of turn and burn. Yeah. And, and not even necessarily turn and burn. I've got some big pickups and picked up some good quality games that I've wanted. And I've picked up expensive games, but I never put like the full value towards a game like this yeah. before. And I probably it's like won't buy a copy of like Wonder Boy or something crazy. Yeah, it's like finding, you know, it's, and it's not like finding it necessarily because you buy it online. But if you do look at like eBay sales and such, this game has a lot of PAL copies out there. But like the um, the North American copy of this game, just there wasn't a lot made. So I mean, you might have three new copies that are online at one time. Uh, being sold and then like a couple used copies here and there but god knows how many of these games had used copies that were opened up yeah. like if you figure like say only a thousand were made due to pre-orders or whatever issue occurred i mean and here's i'm spitting out numbers out of my ass in a sense right because i don't know exactly how many copies of this game were made uh, i just know that it's not a very common game and if you figure if there was a thousand copies and they had 500 pre-orders how many of those pre-orders were actively opened, you know? Um, is this game easily emulatable? I don't know. Because I mean, probably, if it's not, then you've well, got a lot more incentive for people that are 
owning it to play it because there's not an alternate method to actually play it. Well, here's the thing. It's a Wii U game, so yes, there would be ways to play it. People have probably already burned several copies. There's probably, what is it, ISO files sitting on the internet right now that you could pick up for this game. So it's not like you can't pick up a burned copy, but... I mean, think about games that are on, like, GameCube or PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2. Like, all of those games have, like, ISO files, and you can rip those and put them on your your console. Not condoning it and saying it's okay, but, you know, that type of stuff exists, but it still doesn't detract from the value of the actual physical game and, and what it is. So... I'm stoked, dude. I think it's pretty cool. Like, I haven't done this before, and I don't intend on doing this down the road. I don't intend on grading another game down the road. I don't see the point, but this one in particular, I think it's a pretty unique piece, and that's that's why I'm doing it. Uh, and in terms of playing, I haven't been playing anything, dude. It's been a month with no video games. I'm going absolutely insane right now. I want to finish Jade Cocoon. I want to play some Apex Legends. I want to start Conquerors Bad Fur Day. All of my stuff, I mean, you saw upstairs, like it's yeah. all in boxes in the center of a flipping loft. I've got my new shelves coming in, which I was so close the other day. I picked up brand new shelves and thought, cool, like, let's go. I'm going to get this all done before Ryan gets here on Saturday, have it all set up, all these boxes out of the way. And it turns out I bought the wrong size. So I had to return six flipping shelves. The same UPS guy that dropped them off, picked them up. And he's like, man, these are heavy. Like, I have to do this again. Like, he was just kind of you know, joking with me because it was literally the next Pick day. Pick the wrong day to be the UPS guy. Seriously, man. So I ended up uh, returning those. I hate that I have to go for like that birchwood color again because I want it black. But I'm going to have that birchwood color and I've got, instead of three of those shelves, I now have six of those shelves total. So, I mean, we're pretty much doubling up the amount of available gaming shelving so that I have. So you don't have to have as many boxes in the garage like you had at the last place. Yeah, like I'll probably be able to display all my Japanese games, all of my uh, Super Famicom games. And that I'll never I've be got. able to look at them while we're playing. Uh, or doing recording. I mean, who knows, man? Who knows? Maybe we move uh, the podcast setup upstairs and uh, we start recording up there. And we'll see. Regardless, though, when we play games, we'll be able to play with, like... So my vision is to have, you know, one of those IKEA things like I talked about and have various consoles inside. But my overall vision is to have two of those, like, shelves, like, side-by-side next to it to kind of give that full, like, view. And then a TV, of course, in the center, some surrounding posters, maybe some arcade machines up there. And then the back loft is going to be, like, an additional four of those shelves. So, And then a couch directly in the center. So we're going to have, like couch bunch of games that we can kind of look at games on the shelf we can look at consoles already set up like every console set up i'll have the yeah we'll be doing the gaming up there instead of in here yeah it's gonna be great man like i can't wait and i'll probably keep like a couple mini consoles down here just to have them up here or down here but for the most part i think it's gonna be pretty sick dude like i'm i'm stoked and i don't know if you saw my board game shelf up there too no oh dude i'll show you that when we're done recording today it's it's all coming together, and it looks super nice, and I can't wait to share pictures on our Instagram. Which, speaking of which, at the Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook, and at Game Deflators on Twitter. They don't like the. They don't like the. And then check out the podcast applications that are out there for our podcast. If you don't like what you're listening to right now on Podcast Addict, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. All right. You got nada, but did you play any more Resident Evil 8 after we discussed it last week? Yeah, I played a little bit more. Man, I gotta beat this game. But it's like, I'm playing it with my wife, and she doesn't always want to play it. We also started watching like some anime this week, so it's like, I want to get through it, but I can't play it without her. I tried to start, actually, I had like an hour to kill, and I tried to start uh, Hardcore, 
mode. Mm -hmm. And dude, I couldn't even kill the first freaking werewolf zombie guy. Like really? the very first enemy in the game, like I used my whole clip on him and I tried like six or seven times and just like running around. Like, I think you got to just know how to block well and always get headshots. But I was just like, dude, this is too hard. If I can't even drop the first guy, I don't even want to try doing this. So then I tried to do like a normal mode playthrough just so that I could play more of the game because I wanted to play more, but I didn't want to get any further. And I missed some things, and I was like, maybe maybe I have enough, like, I could catch up while I'm waiting to finish the game, but keep playing it. Um, but I had to go through, like, the whole beginning part. Like, it sucks. Like, this game has so much beginning stuff that you have to do before you actually start the game. And it's like, some of it you can skip. Some of it's like, you got to walk, but you can't do anything else. And it's just like, uh took forever it killed most of the hour just trying to get to the point where i was like okay now i can do stuff yeah and then it, it, by then i had to go so i hope i can get done with it i'm shouldn't have very much left in it if i've got like three hours left in it or something the uh the last boss i did oh, excuse me. was really awesome i got a cool new gun i I don't know. It's a great game. Still super good. Still got to finish Mario. Still got to start Persona. Still got to finish Blue's Clues. Still, it's it's only May. I can't wait to have that Blue's Clues set up up yeah. there on uh on Christmas. your TV, nonetheless. Yeah. Your TV. By the way, I'm considering buying another uh, TV in the next year, like a 65 inch to go in here, and then I'll probably take the 55 inch and pop it up there. Uh -huh. That should be pretty cool there to have go. all that set up. I'm excited. Which means you can probably take your uh, your old Vizio back. Gosh, what would I even do with it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure something out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's get into the uh, articles this week that we are going to be looking at and uh, discussing. So uh, the first one we're looking at is Nintendo promises many new software titles this year. The other one is going to be PS5 versus Xbox Series X S versus Switch sales comparison uh, through May 1st sales. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, but we got some data on that. Apple Nintendo Switch rumors are probably just an Apple TV. So we'll get into that later as well. But of course, it's uh, tied to Apple and potentially another console. And then is NetherRealm's next fighting game a Marvel versus DC crossover? So that should be pretty cool. And then we'll, of course, cover our games this week and our inflation deflation. Uh, but the first one, Nintendo promises many software titles this year. Uh, this is by... I cannot see that dude. Russell, Russell Zemarosa oh, at gamezo.co.uk. So uh, this is basically kind of talking about Nintendo's momentum and uh, releasing additional titles here in you know the coming year or this year uh, to really kind of continue that steam that they've garnered. And we'll go into it a little more on those Switch sales comparison charts. But uh, you know they sold a lot of consoles and really at the end of the day, the best way to see those consoles continue to get sold is by releasing new titles uh, to make things a little more exciting, right? So uh, that might come in. Draw on the people that still want to switch, but don't want Animal Crossing for some reason. Yeah, so Animal Crossing completely like blew their numbers out of the water last year when it came out. They now got Monster Hunting Rise or Monster Hunter Rise, right? That's yeah. getting a bunch of sales for them as well. I saw a thing a couple of weeks ago, it might have been last week, saying that like the top 10 games on Switch 
are all first party Nintendo, I think, and they all have like 10 million plus in sales. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's like you've got to really, really bring your A game to break into like the top slot. Yeah, so I mean, and they've got a lot of momentum going for them. So you had, of course, Animal Crossing last year. You've got Monster Hunter this year. And then Mario 30th anniversary, the three pack that we got. Yeah, we've got the Zelda. Which you um, can't buy anymore. Yeah. The uh, Zelda game. Well, yeah, I mean, you can still technically buy it. There's tons at my local Walmart for the Super All Stars and all that stuff. Like it's it's crazy. Do they still they have. have the uh, the Game and Watches? Have those dropped? If those drop, I might buy one. They're still fifty bucks, and I just saw like forty in a case at Walmart. Yeah, if those things drop, I'll definitely buy one of those. Hopefully, I could get there before everybody else. Well, I mean, just go to Walmart. It's down the road for me. I want like them to drop in price. I'm it's not buy one for fifty dollars. It's probably not going to drop in price unless I clearance it. But we'll we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll figure out what happens. Uh, but I mean, a lot of momentum going. They'll probably have Breath of the Wild too. Potentially, you know, I would say twenty twenty two. If not twenty late twenty twenty one, we're gonna see with E three what it what they've got up their sleeves, and you know I think once we see more titles coming for this console, it's who's gonna stop Nintendo at that point? I mean they've got such a huge uh, install base right now compared to the PS five and the uh, Xbox Series X. They can't make them fast enough. Nobody can make consoles fast enough to sell them, and the Switch is just so powerful still. Yeah, it's blowing everything out of the water right now, and. I wouldn't say it's a powerful console, but I would say that it's a popular console. And it's just pretty insane. So what are your thoughts on this overall? Um, so new titles. We got E3 this year. We got E3 right around the corner. We're going to start saying a lot of E's and a lot of 3's in the next few weeks, I anticipate. So that means new games, new announcements, hopefully a bunch of stuff from Nintendo. The last Direct we had, we had that little moment where it was like, you think I'm going to talk about Breath of the Wild 2? but I'm not going to. <laughs> so we'll probably get some Breath of the Wild 2 news. I am really there with a lot of people. I want to hear about Metroid Prime 4. Don't think we're going to hear about Metroid Prime 4. Hope we get to hear about Metroid Prime Trilogy re-release for Switch to get everybody ready for 4, because I would buy the hell out of that for sure. I mean, you can play my copy on Switch. But it's not on Switch. Yeah, it's a trilogy. Metroid Prime Trilogy? I'm pretty sure it is. No, not yet. Yeah, yeah, and that's why it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Metroid Prime Trilogy, I'm pretty sure, is on the, on the Switch. I mean, not the Switch, sorry, the uh, the Wii. No, yeah, I know it's on the Wii. Yeah, that's no, what I'm talking Switch. about. Yeah, no, God, I'm mixing things up. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the on the Wii. But no, future telling, it'll be on the Switch. Yeah, that's, it definitely will yeah. be. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just, I was thinking Wii for some, I thought Wii in my head, and it came out as Switch when I was talking <laughs> to you. So, yeah, it is definitely on the Wii if you want to play my Wii copy. I don't want to play with your Wii. You don't want to play with my Wii? No. You just want to put your balls in an alien's mouth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so, I, I hope that... Um, what else could we get announcements from Nintendo that would be great for, like, a new Switch release? Uh, I mean, Breath of the Wild, of course, is going to be a big one. Um, oh, hopefully... there's talk about, like, a new 2D Donkey Kong yeah, by the same team well, that did Odyssey. No, not 2D. I've I saw some rumors of like a Donkey Kong World. Oh, 3D. Okay, yeah, 3D by the team yeah. that did Odyssey. That makes more sense. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to see something like that. I mean, it's really not like my favorite, but I mean, dude, I would buy the hell out of another Donkey Kong game, no questions asked. That'd be a day one purchase for me, uh, especially if there's a special edition. The Mario Golf, the new one that should be coming out soon. That looks like a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, 
I would say probably any new Final Fantasy titles that could potentially make their way to the uh, the Switch. I'd like to see another Rabbids crossover. That uh, Mario Rabbids was really good. I wasn't a big fan of it. I have it. It's probably, what, 15 bucks now? Like, it doesn't go for much money now. I, I do want to see another Rayman game, though. Mm. I love Rayman. Ray- I mean, I never thought I would, but... Rayman for Smash, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, why? Like, well, Waluigi for... You know what? That's probably going to happen at E3. Waluigi. Dude, that's what everybody says every E3, and it never happens, and it won't... This is going to be, like, the final Smash character announcements at E3 to this year, I think. If they don't bring Waluigi in as their final Smash, like, Nintendo's just got their priorities mixed up. Right. How do you bring in, like, Wario, but you have no Waluigi? They'll probably bring in, like, Final Fantasy VII Remake Cloud. (laughs) Yeah, right. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake Cloud is like an additional skin. Yeah. Right? And everybody's like, we want Waluigi. Here's another skin of Luigi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you can make a me Luigi. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So I'm super excited, man. I, I can't wait to see what Nintendo puts out. Uh, this is probably like the most fun I've had of a Nintendo console in a very long time. And if you were to listen back to prior episodes, uh, it might actually probably not prior episodes. It might have been... Before the Switch cam, before we were doing this podcast, I was probably shitting all over the Switch. Now I'm just like super excited about it. The like Nintendo NX. Yeah, God, man, it's just it's nice. I love it. Like it's such a great console, and I don't get to play it enough, which is kind of disappointing. So I think that might be a goal this year, even though we're like almost midway through, is going to be to uh, play a few more of those Nintendo Switch games that I have. Yeah, kind of go from there. I still need to play Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is <laughs> great. Never beat it. Yeah, well, of course you didn't, because you're Ryan. All right. Uh, I commented on some dudes on Twitter. He posted something about like some game he didn't beat, and I was like, dude, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I tried it, and that was it. It was done. Uh, okay, so our next article here is the uh, PS5 versus Xbox Series XS uh, versus Switch sales comparison charts through May 1st. And this is by William D'Angelo of VG Charts. Uh, we can kind of brush into this one. We don't have to go super deep into the article, but basically sales figures are like two to one almost for the PlayStation 5 over to Series X and S. I'll run through them. Oh, okay, go through your pricing. So yeah. numbers for 2020 uh, oh, for the... 2021. 2021 up through May for a year to date. PS5, 3,649,688 consoles. Xbox S slash S. Uh, 1,782,692, and <laughs> Nintendo Switch, 7,833,000. It's insane, dude. Yeah, like... it, so it's each one is a factor of two. So you've got twice as many Switches as PS5s, twice as many PS5s as Xboxes. So there's like four times as many. Yeah, and you know, a lot of this, I would think, it comes down to production issues, of course. But I mean, Nintendo's having the same type of production issues that everybody else is, yet they're selling... A ton more consoles. It could be, you know, maybe they're able to produce them faster. Maybe Cheaper they had chips, older chips, not like as the high yeah, in demand ones. I'm thinking that could be a factor. There's probably, you know, they maybe they had a stockpile of switches, you know, ready to go before the pandemic hit. You know, like there's there's a lot of possibilities there, but you know, Sony and Microsoft have not been able to pump out the amount of consoles they want. Uh, I'm still going to stick with it and say this is probably Microsoft's last home console. Um, based on these types of figures, the fact that you're getting beat out two to one uh, in 2021 so far by Sony is not a good sign for them. And that's on a that's a global basis, right? Or is that just U.S.? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure this is global numbers. 
Yeah, so that's pretty rough, you know, to... No, that can't be just global, because I thought Sony sold more than that in the in the year. R- regardless, I mean, even if it's on a U.S. basis. No, nope, representing the global sales. Wow. Okay, so yeah. I mean, it's insane. The fact it's that... It's crazy that there's not even 2 million Xboxes between the S and the Series X out there. Like, Well, that's just for 2021, so you would have to consider November, December, how many, how many they sold, but... It's the figure wasn't on there. I was looking earlier. Regardless, Nintendo has like if you were to just kind of say PS5 versus XS and a Nintendo uh, Switch, they have like what a seventy percent hold on the market right now between those consoles. And yeah, Nintendo is technically last gen, but the fact that it's still selling seven million consoles compared to three point five million and one point seven million of the other two is just phenomenal for a console that is technically out of date well, in terms of its in terms of its technology. Yeah, we've been talking already like it feels like we're starting to get to that point. Remember that crazy point where I was getting so frustrated that every week we were talking about like the PS5 is coming. We're going to see all the cool stuff they're going to do with it, but we don't know what it looks like or how much it costs yet or when the release date is and it's just going to be that like we're already in that hype cycle for Whatever's like next. I was looking back at Spawn Wave this week and every single like thumbnail that they had had a switch in it somewhere even if it wasn't the main thing they were talking about cuz everything's about like the new switch pro like every rumor every time somebody says like new LCD somebody jumps out of a bush and is like there's going to be a new LCD screen on the switch and it's just like oh my gosh man like let's just chill let's play some new let's get some new games we'll worry about the pro when it is actually happening can you just imagine like somebody's just sitting on the side of the road or in a park talking or just like yeah man i'm gonna buy this like new monitor it's got this lcd screen somebody comes out did you say lcd did you say switch N- <laughs> no i didn't nintendo's gonna have an lcd <laughs> <laughs> yeah, switch. exactly Exactly. Yeah. So uh, a cool thing, though, uh, regarding the PS5. So um, we don't have it uh, listed here, but I was reading another article that says that like the adoption rate of the PlayStation 5 is phenomenal compared to that of the PS4. And they attribute a lot of that to the fact that there is that backwards compatibility. So it's making the transition much easier uh, to go in. But the other cool thing uh, in another article I read is that Sony currently has 25 PlayStation Studios games in development and i heard about that they said like half of them are new ips yeah that's insane that's promising yeah that that is really promising for playstation console and you know unless they start porting them over to pc which of course we saw you know with a few of these like horizon zero dawn and i think was god of war one of them no okay no it wasn't uh but you have horizon zero dawn it's supposed to be going over to pc or already has um as well as just some other titles that have kind of hit over there. Like MLB show is a different situation, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's the funniest one. Yeah. Still. That, that is really the funniest one. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I think it's gonna be pretty promising. There's a lot of games that you're only going to be able to play on PlayStation. I mean, if you've got 25 games, potentially 12 to 13 of those being new IPs, that's a lot of promise for a console and shows Sony's dedication to getting those, those good games on their console. Yeah. So I think it's right there with, uh, with Nintendo in terms of, you know, in-house quality titles, uh, something Microsoft has yet to really achieve. And I think their sales kind of show for that too. I mean, some people just, they'd rather play Microsoft games on the PC. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and we've talked about how Microsoft understands that. Like they know that their console's not going to sell a ton. 
and they're likely looking towards the well, future. We know just, that they don't make any money off their consoles. There was like another. Did we talk about that last week? Or we we did. I know but, I read about like they are not making any money on any consoles, basically that they've ever sold. Yeah, they I admitted mean, that they've just lost money on every console. Well, yeah, but I think Sony's like that too, and I don't know about Nintendo taking a loss on consoles. Well, but, I remember when, but Sony's like, taking PS3 a loss right became now. Profitable in its like seventh year. Yeah, and like uh, Nintendo always sells old technology so they can profit yeah so usually if like sony in the past it's been more of an adoption rate aspect like let's get as many people as we can let's put as cheap xbox as we can. is a game service now yeah that's kind of what they formed into and you know they've got so much money anyways like for them to take a loss in their xbox division like even it's if they just were a taking... way to sell people game pass and yeah. eventually if they sign up to game pass long enough they pay for the console yeah even if they took a loss of like a hundred dollars per console it's what 200 million dollars of losses tied to that but how much are they gaining in subscription fees and how much are they gaining in you life? buy one game in xbox live and you've made up that difference yeah so i think yeah i think for them it's a different type of method right and sony's kind of transitioning to that in a way as well um but yeah i mean game consoles taking a loss is not abnormal I mean, it's pretty standard, I think, nowadays. and has been for a number of years. Okay, our uh, next uh, rumor mill item here. Uh, those are actually a lot of truth. These are more rumor items here. Uh, Apple Nintendo Switch rumors are probably just an Apple TV. And this is uh, Sacha Segan at PC Mag. And so this one kind of dives into the fact that uh, there were some tweets that were made recently by uh, some sort of leaker who uh, was claiming that Apple was going to be creating uh, some sort of like handheld device that would be similar to the Switch. You know, there's there's not a whole lot here. It does even say like, this is a sketchy rumor, but I would say there could be some truth to that, right? So they do have their iPads, they do have their iPhones, and there's a lot of handheld gaming that could kind of come from that. What would stop Apple from just taking an iPad and, I don't know, cutting off like an inch here or there and turning it into something that looks like a Switch throw an Apple Arcade on it and being like, we made a game console and all the Apple fanboys and fangirls eating it up. Because I just don't think that that's how that would work. Like the people that have an iPad and an iPhone, like that's, that's what they're there for. Like they're not really there to play games. Like for a long time, Mac was the place where it's like, well, you can't get many games for Mac. Like, I don't really know what it's like now. I know Apple Arcade is doing pretty well for itself, and I know that they're making strides to get stuff, but, like, I just don't see why they would be interested in trying to make a dedicated gaming device when, like, this quite possibly could be the second-to-last generation of consoles. It seems pretty late in the cycle when everybody else is trying to get into cloud gaming, and you've already got Apple Arcade, like... Well, it wouldn't be, like... Here's what I'm saying, like... Apple creates some really stupid crap that people just buy up anyways, right? Because it's got the Apple logo on it. So I wouldn't put but it those past... kind of people aren't going to carry a dedicated portable gaming device. But what if it everywhere. wasn't? What if all it was was like an iPhone that's been stretched and it has peripherals that can be added to it? So you're talking new potential iPhone with dedicated peripherals that can be tied to it to make a gaming device tied to Apple Arcade as like the main hub or some new well, like then you just screen. you just make like one of those controllers that has a clip for your phone I get it but like you already have the phone component like the, it doesn't make sense like they tried doing the um the iTouch which yeah. was like a almost iPhone it just couldn't do the calling part 
And they got rid of that like pretty fast because like they realized who wants a dumbed down version. Like the the point of having a like a dedicated gaming device is that that's what it does. And I just don't see Apple ever making a product that doesn't do everything that every other Apple thing does. Like if it's not also basically an iPad, but that's what I'm and saying, a phone, dude. That's what I'm saying. Why would they make it? But that's what I'm saying. Like you'd basically be taking an iPad, scaling it down. So it's still an iPad. It's still going to do the same functionality. But then it's not. But like it's a... but it's promoted as like some sort of gaming device with the ability to do certain things. Like maybe it could stream to Apple TV. Maybe it has the ability to uh, take calls, like virtual, like you know, video calls. But why would you camera. want? Like if you already have a phone. I'm not saying why would I want it. I'm just saying I wouldn't put it past Apple to release something like that and Apple fans to eat it up. I mean, you're talking people that will wait in line. Flipping three blocks yeah, but to buy people, a two thousand dollars phone. Those people are going to have a phone that they're going to carry with them. Like those people aren't going to have a, like a switch with an Apple logo and be pulling it out and playing it because they're probably not those type of people, anyways. Or, or they might be. I mean, it's one of those things that I just. I'm not saying it's true, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's too late. It's too I'm late. I'm just we've, saying we've, Microsoft was the last person that gets to get into gaming. On a physical level, like oh, you can Google at Sega, Stadia. you can leave Sega out of the water. Come on now, Sega was before Microsoft got. No, in. they can come back. They can come back. The no, rise of a phoenix. Sega no, will come back. Uh, They're gonna get bought by Microsoft. No, they won't. There's no way that happens. No way Sega gets purchased by maybe a partnership, but not a a full blown purchase. The Japanese government would never let something like that happen, dude. No way. Uh, but yeah, like I said, man, I'm I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just wouldn't put it past something like this to happen and Apple fans eating up. Even if it was a cosmic failure, the fact that it could potentially happen, I could see Apple fans lining up to get something like that just because it's Apple. It's the only reason, dude. Yeah, but everything else they do has such a mass appeal and that's such a niche appeal. Yeah, I get it. Like, I totally get it. But if you were to... Like, how many iPhones have they sold? Like, they, they've got to have sold way more iPhones... It's like a billion or something than or more. people that have bought the Switch. Yeah, no, I know. They've sold... But think they about it. They don't want to do Switch numbers. Okay. They already do so, way better numbers than con- that. Consider this. If a billion iPhones are sold globally, okay? Make video games available on that already used install base. Why create a new device those people have to buy again because to if, start? Because if even 200 million people buy it and you're able to turn a profit and then you don't support it several years from now because you consider it a failure, you're still making money on it. Because but the, the, it's way better. Like, I just want good cloud streaming on the iPad. The iPad looks amazing and it's a great size. Like, if everybody that already has an iPad, you could just hook a controller up to it and play games on. There's no need to make another device that only some people are going to buy when everybody that already has an iPad is a controller away from playing whatever games you're going to try to stream. All I'm saying is don't put it past Apple to take advantage of your fans because of their Apple logo. No, you're wrong, John. You're wrong. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, again, sketchy rumor. Okay. Uh, well, let us know what you think about this, <laughs> this stupid rumor. But, uh, I mean, come on. We didn't think a Switch Lite was going to happen, and it happened. So, eh. Okay. Next is... Uh, is NetherRealm's next fighting game a Marvel versus DC crossover? And that is uh, Jacob Cresswell at, what is that, CBR? Yeah. That's what I say? Okay, cool. So I say no. You say no. Okay. I say no. I just, I think that Marvel and DC, 
are obviously two sides of the same coin. But I just don't see in like today's modern day them being in like a crossover video game when like they're so wildly different and like how successful they are in other places. Like I feel like it would be beneath Marvel at this point with how successful they are to try to do something with DC and give them any kind of like competitive credit or comeback, even though it's like, I know that there's probably, I would like to think that there's not that kind of animosity. Like I'm sure the people who work at Marvel love Batman and read Superman and you know, they're not like, well, I only do Marvel stuff cause I'm Marvel. That's more of a fan thing to do, but like, I just don't see how you would do it. Like Marvel vs. Capcom is so light, actiony, you know, quick, fast, and then like Injustice is like definitely like a heavier, darker kind of game. Like, where would you meet? Would you darken Marvel? Would you lighten DC? I think you'd have to darken Marvel. And the reason I bring that up is. So anybody that doesn't know about uh you know this particular studio uh, Neverrealm, they do the Mortal Kombat games. Yeah. And so they do Injustice and the uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC and all of that, right? So they've done crossovers in the past, and they're I guess their head of their uh, studio Ed Ed Boon I think it is, uh, had a tweet recently that people are suspecting to be uh, most likely some sort of like Marvel DC crossover and based he's on some of the tweets. Kind of hints and- Throwing out all kinds of stuff, trying to stir up the the hornet's nest. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I could see this happening, and the reason I could see it happening is there's likely, yes, there's probably that animosity, of course, because of, like, Spider-Man and Sony and all of that, right? But this is different because, you know, Warner Brothers, I think, owns Neverrealm, I think is what we had mentioned a while back, and they've done, like, Marvel games, like, released through Warner Brothers. So, like, the Lego Marvel games, for example... Uh, have come through Warner Brothers Studios and and those developers. So it wouldn't surprise me for that kind of in-between to potentially make some sort of crossover. And Marvel Game Studios, who manages a lot of those titles and have done like, I think it was what, uh, Capcom, Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, you know, they've kind of dealt with that, you know, they process. They have to take over because they, they can't let like the Marvel the other like rest of the Marvel studios be in control. Like it had a negative effect on that game because Mm -hmm. they were trying to keep the portrayals in line with like either the MCU or something. And it caused some problems. So now all of their gaming titles are managed by like a Marvel game studio. Yeah. And I mean, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities to see some sort of like DC and Marvel crossover. Like haven't we had comic book crossovers like this in years past? I mean, I'm sure that the comic books have done it. So then why... I'm just not that hardcore of a fan to know what those are, but I have a feeling those are always probably like like a free single-issue comic book day kind of thing and not like a whole in-depth, like, year-long story where, like, Batman and Tony Stark are teaming up. Like, I can't imagine they work together that long and intertwine those universes deeply enough to do stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, you've got things like in the past, like Marvel Zombies, and, you know, DC has, like, their own, like, zombie-type thing that came out in recent years. Uh, So, I mean, they've both had, like, that dark kind of entry, and and DC's actually gone more dark over the years. But 
to do like a fighting game, I would think you would have to have no blood. They probably wouldn't allow that. No sort of gore. It would have to be straight up like superhero fighting game. And it, it's not, like I said, it's not out of the realm of, <laughs> not the realm and out of the realm, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities for something like this to happen. I just think there would be a lot of like politics involved between the two organizations to come to an agreement on how they want to handle things. I have a way better idea. And what is that? Uh, Smash Bros, but with comics. Like, all different comics. Not just Marvel and DC. Like, give me some Spawn in there. Give me, like, uh, some manga characters in there. Just, like, a whole crossover. Like, all different comics. Throw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in there. You know, like, yeah. really buff it out and have, like, a huge roster representing all the different comics. That I could see... That'd be a lot of publications and companies trying to get It'd be a ton of licensing, somewhere. but I think yeah. that that would be way cooler and way more successful than, like, a Marvel versus DC fighting game. Because, like, as far as I know, it's hard to come out with, like, a breakout new fighting game. Like, BlazBlue is the last one. Like, I'm not super well-versed. Blasblue is the last one I know that was like a huge, like came onto the fighting game scene and was able to like actually establish itself among like, you know, the Guilty Gear and Street Fighter and Tekken and all the same things that have had like eight or nine entries. Yeah. I mean, I think that Injustice, for example, has had like, you know, there's... I think there's two Injustice There's two and they say that there might be a third one coming up here pretty soon. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw a third one uh, coming up based on these tweets, but... If it is indeed like a Marvel versus DC, I don't think it would be so hard to kind of crack into, you know, getting that to be sold. It, it might not sell so well on a, you know, a tournament basis and getting people excited to play in tournaments, but I think it'd be pretty I think it would just be like a one-time game. I don't know that yeah. it would lead to some series. It would, it would have, have to be really successful. And you'd have to have like storylines and all this other crazy stuff. I don't know, dude. Like, it would be interesting to see something like this happen. The chances of it happening are potentially slim but i think it'd be pretty cool yeah overall like who knows there's a lot that can happen it's 2021 right right all right inflation deflation so this is a uh, valkyrie no debt senu or no what is it no i can't see from here valkyrie no densetsu no densetsu uh so or the legend of the valkyrie and this is developed by Namco, published by Namco, and I cannot see a designer. So it's the super small. designer, I was trying to look it up because it doesn't have it listed in the usual place on the wiki. It said that the creation of Nam, it was the creation of Namco artist Hiroshi Fuji and a designer known only by the pseudonym of Koakuman. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's what it says. So I'm not sure who Koakuman is, and I tried to Google who Koakuman was, and I tried to autocorrect to some manga or anime called something else well with close spelling it was uh released and kawakamon uh i guess made it uh, back in august of 1990 and uh it is well you have it as platform here but i saw it as more of like a hack and slash rpg it says platform on there it's like an adventure platform yeah. hack and slash it's Picture. very much like um it's like zelda or pocky and rocky right yeah yeah so mixed reviews between four and seven out of ten. It's an arcadey game. Yeah. The only this is the only non this is the non arcade version of it. Yeah. And so this game, even though we said the Legend of the Valkyrie, um, it's technically all in Japanese. The entire game. Outside of like Pogo ad at some point and then like start and continue. Yeah. 
uh, and a few things here and there in like A, B, and C. For the most part, it's all Japanese. So uh, the PC most engine. Yeah, the most we got out of this, and there is a wiki on it, so you can kind of read up on it. But apparently, there's like some fields that need to be replenished, and you have to find like this golden seed and insert in this fountain. And it's supposed to help these crops grow, and like your goal. Oh, is were to, you like, reading up on it? I was actually. Okay, uh, so, so we weren't too far off. We weren't too fairies. Yeah, we weren't too far <laughs> off. So uh, <laughs> the first battle we had, uh, we got some like corn thing, and Ryan's like, "It's a corn fairy." And uh, then there's like this old lady, and there's this frog guy, and it's... Sometimes you make up your own fun. If you yeah. can't read Japanese, just make up your yeah. own fun. So our story, and how we interpret it, is uh, we were trying to find a corn fairy for the frogman uh, in the game. We found the corn fairy, gave it to him, and old lady was jealous that she did not get a corn fairy. So later on, uh, as we were progressing through the game and beat several bosses... Um, we ended up coming across old lady again in a cavern, and she was like, what item do you want, A, B, or C? And we chose B, and we got nothing. Our assumption was because she hadn't gotten a corn fairy after two battles, she didn't want to give us anything in return mm -hmm. for our adventure. Uh, but pretty cool game. I mean, I, I kind of would akin it to, like, a shoot 'em up hack-and-slash RPG, because, like, as you're progressing, you pick up different abilities. So, like, you start you're... with your standard slashing, and then your wind slash, and then your... Uh, you get like different thing. projectiles that come out of your sword. At some point, you get like these golden shuriken blades that like follow the enemy and make things super easy. But then Ryan at some point picked up like some laser blast thing that really just kind of screwed things up for us. Yeah. Uh, and we couldn't progress much further. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, like the music in it was great. The gameplay was good, controlled very the well. The graphics were so good. It oh, reminds so me so much of like Shovel Knight. The way uh -huh. that it looks, like, I've been so blown away by the TurboGrafx mini PC Engine games. Like, they look fantastic. They sound great. Like, they control well. I love the feel of the, the controller's good. Yeah, this is, like... The jump was awesome. I really like the jump in this game. Definitely one of my favorite minis, if not my favorite mini console that I've purchased. Absolutely love the games on here. If you haven't picked one up, you've got to pick one of these things up. Like, it's just good it's like it's good fun a lot of great titles on there there's some rpgs in there like ease one and two i think is on there mm -hmm. like why not like it's totally worth it um so yeah what are your overall thoughts on corn fairy and frogman and old lady you know we had no idea what we were really gonna play we just knew we wanted to take a look at a couple different games and i was just like i don't know if the box art on this one looks good and it was just great like, I would totally play through that game. I think that that would have been an awesome game to grow up having. I think that, you know, it does everything really well. I mean, the enemy variety is, like, what you expect from a game of that area, you know, era. But, like, it's still not just, like, a walk through the park easy. And it's not, like, Nintendo hard or anything. It was, uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, maybe even more so that I didn't understand. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing: like, you could probably pick up guides and stuff on this type of thing, and it'll just kind of walk you through your options. It just depends on the popularity of the game. But I had a blast, so I thought it was cool. Uh, so complete in box on this is running at forty nine sixty three. It peaked at what was it eighty seven ninety one back in December of twenty nineteen. And um, looks like it's just kind of holding place right now. A loose copy will run you at 46.62, and it peaked at 46.68 back in actually April of this year, and that's also holding. So, you know, I think at this price point for this old of a game, I mean, this is a, a Japanese release, so technically it's probably not going to get as much like, you know, increases in sales here in the US. 
uh, as most you know U.S.-based games would have or North American titles. But I would think that if you, for one thing, can read Japanese, or you can find yourself a uh, a guide that walks through each individual area and just kind of tells you what's being said by those uh, NPCs throughout the game. I mean, dude, at, at 49.63 for a complete in box turbo graphics game, or in this case, PC Engine game, I think that's on Not par. Bad. I think that's worth it. Like, if I, I was in Japan and I was at like Super Potato and I saw that game and I was like, oh man, that, that game, oh, it's in the box, oh, it's only 50 bucks. And I had like a PC engine, I'd buy it. Yeah, I'd buy I, it. I agree. I yeah. think that's a a decent price for what this is. I mean, and maybe it's just the fact that it feels so old. Like when you play the game on the mini console, it shows like the chip being like slid in in like a little animation, and it's like. I've never even held one of those chips. Like, oh, it dude, feels I, like ancient technology. I should have had you play it. I, well, I guess it was sold during the pandemic, and we weren't really doing like a yeah. ton of recordings, so I get it. But yeah, I should have had you like play the original. I do have so many original games still, so I kept some of the uh, RPGs. Uh, yeah, so I think just right. I think you're saying just right yep. as well. So let's put our rating in as just right. Uh, the next game that we had is uh we did not expect this either yeah no this is actually pretty interesting so this one was alien crush uh it looks like it was done by is that compile yeah is a developer and then uh, published by nec um or uh naxit soft i think nec is actually the ones that published the uh the turbo graphics and turbo graphics duo if i'm correct because yeah yeah because it was like nec turbo graphics mm-hmm. is what i remember having uh, couldn't find a designer on this, but it was released uh, in August of 1989. It is a pinball game. I was expecting some sort of like horror shooter type game when I loaded this up. Uh, and it kind of is. It's horrible, and you have to shoot balls into an alien's mouth. You have to put your balls in an alien's mouth, according to you. Uh, so reception is a seven out of ten on this game. Uh, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was not expecting pinball. So when the pinball stuff came up, I was like, okay pinball this is not anywhere near what i thought i was going to be playing like i was seriously thinking like shoot em up contra style like run and gun like that maybe even a platformer like you were thinking alien 3 not pokemon yeah pinball. yeah pokemon <laughs> yeah right so like uh yeah definitely wasn't thinking this but i didn't i didn't mind it like the music was pretty cool i played on slow mode because i just want to get a feel for it which i got like 1.7 million on slow to your like 200,000. i didn't try it on fast though so i kind of wonder if there's a point boost for playing it on fast but it's got like from what we saw i guess is what like two levels that you can play um different type like a couple types of music on there i believe and you're just in this one screen that potentially opens up into like bonus levels so if you go into one of the aliens mouths it opens up a bonus level with like these separate bosses that you can try and destroy if you're you know your pinball and get bonus points and progress back to where you were and so i think for me in playing this game it was cool for a while and then after a bit i'm like there's no long-term playability here i mean it's a pinball game and technically, if you're a big pinball fan and you, say, owned a pinball machine, you might always play that same pinball machine because you enjoy it. And it kind of led me back to, like, you remember, like, on the PC, like, the Starship pinball that used to be on, like, oh, yeah. Microsoft? Yeah. It kind of, it didn't remind me exactly Space of that. Cadet. But, yeah. 
But I want a physical version that'd be of pretty, Space Cadet. That'd be, be pretty so awesome. awesome. But like for me, I just kind of looked at it. It brought me back to those days of playing Space Cadet and only having that one stage and not playing any other stages. And to me, it was like, yeah, that was really cool back then, but that's like all I had. I didn't have like a crazy game console that I wanted to play and I always want to play Space Cadet because it was new and cool. Uh, but after a while, it just kind of died off of me, right? And I haven't played it since. I would see this in the same type of setting for me. It's cool because you've got all these crazy features and it's pinball and you're killing aliens and gathering your points and whatnot. But it it just doesn't have that long-term playability for me. And that's what I kind of seek in a game like this is if it had different stages, like more so than just one to two, um, if Any it had kind of unlock system, yeah, which I mean, we didn't get far enough into it to determine if there's an unlock system, but it just didn't seem to me like there will be while playing this. And uh, I'm interested to hear what you thought overall on this. If you kind of share that same mentality with me in regard to like pinball games of this nature, I saw something earlier this week that reminded me or made me think of Pokemon pinball. And so I kind of already had that in the brain. So as soon as we booted this up and it was pinball, I was like, oh, sweet. I get my fix. And because uh, I really liked when we did Pokemon Pinball, but at least that had two stages and it had like interesting goals of like trying to collect the Pokemon and stuff. So there was a lot more going on with those games. Obviously, this is a much older game, but I still think graphically it looked great. The sounds were really good. I was still had a really good time playing it. Like when we were doing the slow mode. Yeah, I got like 200,000 points, but then I switched to the fast mode and I played for a while and I got like seven and a half million points and it was like, I, I was in the zone. Like I was having a great time. I do really enjoy digital pinball games. I like physical pinball games too, but it definitely makes me want to play some more Pokemon pinball or some Kirby pinball or whatever, tilt and tumble. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's, um, it's fun. I liked it. I would definitely play it again. Well, let's uh, look at the brass tax here, man. So forty-eight ninety-four for complete and box copy peaked at ninety-nine dollars in February of twenty seventeen. It's holding at that same price point it's got now at the forty-eight ninety-four. Loose thirty-four ten peaked at thirty-four ten this month actually, uh, and it's trending up. So I think this is inflated. To be honest, like it's there's not a lot going for it. It's, yes, it looks good. It's Turbo Graphics inflated. It's just because it's a Turbo Graphics game. But even so, is it like I've played some 3DO games that were like complete dog crap, and they were like low priced. You know, I think it's yeah, it's inflated because it's Turbo Graphics. But at the same time, it's just a pinball game. It's not like Pokemon pinball is not that expensive, if I recall. No, I don't think so. Like, most pinball games aren't, so I don't think this is anything special. You know, just the fact that it's TurboGrafx, cool, but... And the collecting aspect of it. So I guess, like, if you were collecting TurboGrafx and you didn't have it, forty nine ninety four. You're going to pay be, what you need to. Yeah, you're going to pay what you need to, right? Forty nine ninety four might be a bargain, but, I mean, technically speaking, if I had a TurboGrafx and I was just wanting to play, like, different types of games, I wouldn't spend $49 on a complete in-box copy of this, let alone 34 I might pay 25 you know, just because it's turbo graphics, but nothing more than that. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I'd be hard pressed to even spend twenty five on it. Obviously, I would if I found it for twenty five and, and get sell there's it a for whole 50, series but. of these games. Actually, there's like Devil's Crush and Jockey Crush, and like there's a whole series of them. So this might not even be the best or most affordable version. Who knows? Yeah, I didn't really look up the prices on those others, but like I think 
I think if you're the type of person that this game appeals to, you know, you're into Alien, like the Xenomorph aesthetic and stuff, it's got a lot of stuff like that. And if you're a pinball person, then this is definitely the game for you. It's not a game for everybody. It's more of a niche collector or, uh, you know, anybody trying to get all the TurboGrafx stuff. But I still liked it. I still thought, you know, everything about the game design itself was fine. It's obviously an early game, so it doesn't have a lot of additional features or extra stuff. But, yeah, I would say that it's overpriced as well. Yeah, definitely agree there. All right, so uh, this one is a rating of inflated this week. Man, we have got to get the GameInflators.com updated, dude. <laughs> we've got to put our games up there that we've reviewed. Luckily, we have a new uh, process for every time we talk about a game and we kind of mark it down here on our on our notes and then we can always just refer back to it but hopefully you know once this house is situated that might be an opportunity for me to like sit back and like finally dig into that website i update it every week in terms of our podcast but i don't jump in and do like all of the nitty gritty yeah, stuff we gotta do back backlog stuff. yeah we gotta do some backlog stuff on there but uh and it doesn't help that i prep a lot of D stuff during the week too so it's like Prepping D&D, painting areas of a house I need to finish up, plus still flipping unpacking and needing to do this website. So let alone all the podcast stuff we got to do. So it's uh, it's crazy. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but we hope you guys enjoyed uh, episode 131 of the Game of Flavors podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.